What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Colette Amdala, and I'm joined today by my good friend and fellow host, Salman Huck. What's up, man? How you doing? Yo, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm ready to dive in. So today we are doing a redraft of the top 16 picks in the 2004 NFL draft. So this was a dramatic draft with um, a couple guys holding out at the top, uh, some interesting selections, a lot of pro bowlers, a lot of future Hall of Famers uh, came up through this draft. So it's, gonna, it's been a lot of fun digging in and, and looking through the uh, the draft uh, results. So the format we're going to be doing is uh, we'll, be, we'll both be making the picks. So we'll announce the actual pick that was made in real life. And then Salman and I will take turns essentially uh, saying who we would have drafted instead, or maybe we would have kept the same draft, but uh, we'll see. And then, of course, we'll talk about some honorable mentions, and then we will discuss some of the guys that uh, did not survive the redraft and why that might have been. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the first overall pick. So uh, another thing is, obviously, some of these picks have been traded, but we'll go with basically who actually made the selection. So, for example... With the first overall pick, the San Diego Chargers selected quarterback Eli Manning out of Ole Miss. So, Solman, uh, who would you have picked with uh, the first overall pick? I actually would have taken the guy they ended up trading for, which was Phillip Rivers. Um, <clears throat> you know, Eli didn't want to play for the Chargers, and they ended up trading for Rivers anyways. So, I felt Rivers had a pretty great career with the Chargers. You know, he was an eight-time Pro Bowler. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns and passer ratings a few years, things like that. Almost won an MVP award one year. So I thought he was just a good fit for the Chargers. Uh, <clears throat> you could have made the case for Big Ben here too. But, you know, given how Rivers' career played out in San Diego, I thought it was a good fit and might as well just draft him with the number one pick when they ended up trading for him anyways. Yeah, and they basically got, um, you know, the the Giants, they got a few, or the, the, Char- the Chargers were able to get Phillip Rivers along with a couple picks uh, in exchange for Eli Manning. So uh, I I went in a slightly different direction. I think this is a basically a difference in maybe philosophy and what you really want from a quarterback, but uh, I went with Ben Roethlisberger first overall. So it's it's actually kind of spooky how close they are in you know all the major stats so if you look at their completions between him and, and rivers uh, ben rothsberger has more more completions more yards but only by a little bit maybe about by 600 yards they're in their touchdowns are w- within three of each other 418 for ben rothsberger 421 for rivers and their interceptions are also really close so 211 for rothsberger and 209 for Rivers, I think what what really sets Roethlisberger apart is that that second rushing element to his game, where uh, he rushed for you know thirteen hundred yards in his career and twenty touchdowns compared to six hundred oh, wow. yards for Rivers and three touchdowns. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised Big Ben had that many rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean you think about how big he was and how many times they they probably ran QB sneaks, similar to you know with with Brady when he was there uh, in New England. They don't do it so much anymore in Tampa, but. Uh, and of mm-hmm. course, all those plays, those insane plays that Roethlisberger would make, just scrambling around for like 10, 15 seconds, and then launching it upfield to Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, whoever it was, you know. Um, and I, I think what what sets Roethlisberger apart is he made the careers of a lot of these really great wide receivers. And I don't know if there is a single like really great receiver that is tied to. Philip Rivers, maybe Antonio Gates, but I mean, obviously he's a tight end, not a receiver. So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting that the difference is there. But so I think it's, yeah, it just comes down to philosophy basically and, and who you preferred between Rivers and Roethlisberger. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And you know, what's kind of surprising to me is that neither one of them were any, like they didn't make any all proteins, but you know, that's what happens when you play in the same conference as Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So you're probably not making any all proteins, but they probably were yeah. in consideration a few times. Exactly. So, I mean, the All-Pros are not by conference. The All-Pros are just, I think, first and second team. But, mm. again, you're comp- just based the names you're com- you're competing with, Brady, Manning, 
Rogers, yeah. Breeze, Drew Breeze, yeah, exactly. Guys so, that a lot are of you know, yeah, exactly. And then uh, at the tail end of their career, some of the young guns that came around. But uh, they did m- both make a ton of Pro Bowls, and of course, Roethlisberger won the two Super Bowls compared to uh, Rivers, none. So, <laughs> uh, yep. yeah. Anyway, so with the the second overall pick, the then Oakland Raiders selected, unfortunately, uh, tackle Robert Gallery out of Iowa. So this was one of the all-time draft misses um, in NFL history. They drafted a guy who was not good enough to play offensive tackle at the NFL level. He ended up having a pretty decent career as a guard, but you don't draft a guard second overall, maybe unless it's, it's Quentin Nelson or something like that. But the guy I had them picking, so I did consider Phillip Rivers here, but the thought of longtime Charger Phillip Rivers in a Raiders jersey made me like physically ill, so <laughs> I just couldn't do it, man. I thought about it. I really thought about it, but then I also thought about how I always considered Phillip Rivers like an empty calories guy, like good stats, bad team dude who just put up a ton of numbers, but... When like the chips were down, I, I always thought that he would come up with a big interception or something that that swung the game in the other in the other team's favor. I'm sure he has a ton of game-winning drives and comebacks and all that stuff, but to me, I just couldn't imagine him in a Raiders jersey. So, all that being said, I took Eli Manning. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean Eli Manning, you know, he doesn't have the same raw statistical numbers. Uh, you know, he's he's not super far behind these other dudes in terms of uh yards and touchdowns and all that but you know the guy just has grit and he has he won two super bowls and yeah so eli manning uh would have been my pick here uh, for the raiders so who did you have the raiders taking yeah i i went you know same thought process kind of they needed a quarterback uh i mean i think Kerry collins was their qb at this time so clearly they could have used a quarterback Kerry Collins was decent, and then, you know, this probably prevents them from taking Jamarcus Russell down the road, so good pick in Eli. I went Ben Roethlisberger here. Uh, you know, I think he would have brought all that stuff to the Raiders, and, you know, they would have maybe, maybe you know, when they trade for Randy Moss, they have a quarterback that can actually throw to him. So, uh, and, you know, he, he was Rookie of the Year that year, too, Offensive Rookie of the Year, so Big Ben would have given the Raiders uh, a quarterback and, you know, a franchise quarterback for a long time to come. Yeah, big arm. Big, strong dude, very uh, Al Davis type of quarterback, um, exactly. which Eli Manning was too. I mean, he he couldn't run like Ben did, but he was also a big, strong guy. And the Raiders went into this season starting Rich Gannon, who I think was 38 or 39 at the time, and they had signed mm-hmm. Kerry Collins to a three-year deal for like $15 million. So it wasn't like he, he was signed basically to be the backup. He ended up being the starter for a couple years before losing his job, so... Yeah, taking Eli here would have definitely saved them a ton of heartache over the years. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if Eli is a franchise-changing type dude, but he's at, at at the very least a very good to sometimes great quarterback, depending on the situation. And yep. I think he could have changed the hopes of this franchise for sure. Yeah, 100%. All right, so the third overall pick the Arizona Cardinals selected future Hall of Famer wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald out of Pittsburgh. So who did you have the Cardinals using the third overall pick on? I went Eli Manning here. I know I could have made the case for them to just keep Larry Fitzgerald given his, you know, career, but clearly they needed a quarterback. I mean, I think they had Sean King and Josh McNown uh, as their quarterback. So those guys were not the answers. And, you know, Fitzgerald felt more of a luxury pick uh, at this point in time, given they have Anquan Bolden and these type of guys. So, you know, I, you know, obviously, like you said, right, Eli is not, you know, statistically there with Rivers and Roethlisberger, but he's a good quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl MVP, four-time Pro Bowler. And so you put Eli on the Cardinals and, you know, maybe they have an extended, you know, Super Bowl window here. They had a, they, they drafted pretty well in this draft, so. And they built a pretty nasty defense off this mm-hmm. draft. Um, so, you know, put Eli in that situation. Maybe they find, a, you know, another Larry Fitzgerald type of wide receiver in the next year, things like that. But they they definitely would have had a, you know, Super Bowl window open for them with Eli Manning. Absolutely, yeah. And they, they you mentioned Josh McCown and Sean King. I think Josh McCown was drafted a year or two prior as a third-round pick. So it wasn't like he was 
a top five pick that they were married to and had to start. Um, and he was also not like a sixth or seventh round pick that you could easily discard. So they were kind of mm-hmm. caught in the middle. So it does make sense to go receiver. And obviously he had an incredible career uh, with them, but quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. So I went with the third best quarterback in my opinion in this draft. And that is Phillip rivers. So, you know, he, he ends up in San Diego. He backs up Drew Brees for a bit before taking over and ultimately has a great statistical career. He has a couple big playoff moments. I think they went into Indianapolis and beat uh, Peyton Manning and the Colts with Michael, that Michael Turner season. So he was very good. I don't think I would ever have considered him a great quarterback, but statistically he was great. But I don't think, as I said <laughs> when we talked about in the previous uh, pick I just I don't think he's a winning quarterback um, so but yeah <laughs> how much, it, it how much of that is a little bit of Raider how much of that is Raider bias I mean is it is it Raider bias or is it just you know what what the guy does like he just I don't know I mean he throws a ton of yards I mean, he throws yeah, a ton he of intersections numbers you know yeah so. yeah yeah I mean you we don't know how, how his career plays out if he goes to like the Cardinals or somewhere else but yeah it's not, yeah, I think we basically went with our first three picks. We went quarterbacks, just flipped the order of them. Basically, yeah. I mean, it's they're the three best, not three best players in this draft, but three most important players. Um, so with the uh, fourth overall pick, the New York Giants selected quarterback Phillip Rivers out of NC State and, of course, traded him uh, and a few other picks to the, the Chargers in exchange for Eli Manning. So both of these guys, at least in my uh uh, my world, well, both of our worlds, sorry, uh, Rivers is off the board. So who did you have the Giants picking uh, instead? I went Jason Peters, who was undrafted, but ended up being, you know, a cornerstone for a franchise-changing left tackle. And so obviously the Giants wanted Eli, and they had Kurt Warner here at the time, and it just felt like, you know, okay, with Eli off the board or any quarterback off the board here, that Jason Peters would have given them a left tackle for the, you know, next decade plus and you know he's a six-time all pro uh two times first team and four times second team and then he's a nine-time pro bowler he's a member of the 2010 all decade team so obviously he's a very valuable guy and it's crazy to me and that he's he still playing here and he's, and he's still, still playing, playing. <laughs> it's insane. I, insane he's gotta be is he the only active guy remaining from this draft maybe a punter i believe so i believe but, so i yeah. believe jason peters might be the only active guy left here from this draft I think Andy Lee is still chugging along somewhere. I think oh, he's in Jacksonville. Oh, yep, Andy Lee somewhere. Somewhere. He's but he's somewhere. a punter. That doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. We don't count punters or kickers. <laughs> They're both 40. They're both playing, <laughs> still playing, but vastly different positions for sure. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I went Jason Peters. I thought he'd be a good fit there, and he's a you know cornerstone left tackle. That makes perfect sense. Um, I have him very close, but um, – I could not let Larry Fitzgerald sit on this board any longer. Um, He is by far the best wide receiver in a horrendous wide receiver class. It's kind of embarrassing how bad this class is. It's it's very embarrassing Uh, actually. And it, it, when you look at the guy's resume, it is kind of incredible that he's not brought up more in the greatest wide receiver conversation. You know, people talk about the obvious goat Jerry Rice and then people say, well, you know, Randy Moss doesn't have the raw stats that Jerry Rice does in longevity, but, you know, if you can give me one season of a wide receiver, I would take Randy or Calvin Johnson over Jerry Rice. Whatever that, you know, I don't know how you feel about that. Obviously, you're a Niners fan, so I know you probably don't like that, but <laughs> there's a conversation to be had. But yeah, Larry Fitzgerald is second all-time in receiving yards, second all-time in catches, and is sixth in touchdowns. So... It's not like he is, uh, you know, fifth or fourth or th- even third. <laughs> you know, he's second in right behind yeah. Jerry Rice. Uh, he has longevity. He has the big moments. Uh, the only thing that's missing from him is a Super Bowl. And part of that is just having to play in Arizona where they struggle to have great quarterback play. And he is like, what was it, like a toe tap? Was it Santonio Holmes? A toe tap from Santonio yep. Holmes away yes. from winning a Super Bowl. He was. So, Yeah. I could not let Larry Fitzgerald sit. And for the Giants, I mean, they had they, they obviously drafted Eli Manning, or they got Eli Manning in this draft. They had Kurt Warner, so it would have united Kurt Warner with him. 
I know Kurt Warner had like a weird mid-career slump in this uh, this period before he went to Arizona, but maybe having Fitzgerald revitalizes him. And he's only like 33 at the time, so maybe he's 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 good for the Giants for a few years. I don't know, but yeah, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't let him sit longer. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Uh, obviously, I I considered it, but I felt Jason Peters was maybe a little bit better fit. But you know, you can't go wrong with Larry Fitzgerald either over here. Uh, and and I agree with you. He's he's definitely in the conversation of you know top three, top four wide receivers of all time. Yeah, two Hall of Famers. So Peters for you, Fitz for me, not bad. <laughs> I'll take it. Yep. Uh, all right. So fifth overall, the then uh, Washington Redskins a.k.a. Commanders, a.k.a. Washington football team, selected safety Sean Taylor out of Miami. So uh, I know that his career was cut short tragically. Uh, I think he was uh, killed during a home invasion in uh, in Miami during is either during the offseason or during midseason. I don't recall exactly when, but uh, I had – Washington sticking with this pick. I mean, the guy's a franchise legend. He was well on his way to being a Hall of Famer. Uh, you just hope that perhaps in this alternate universe, uh, this you know his career doesn't end tragically. But I think you just you can't mess with this pick. It's just too good of a selection, and he was just too too good of a player uh, to pass up here. Yeah, so. I 100% agree. He, he definitely you know sean taylor was a beast when he was playing and like you said he was probably going to be a hall of famer and be one of the greatest safeties of all time and that all that stuff so yeah not a bad pick at all and staying with that pick cool yeah who did you have uh washington yeah this is where i ended up going larry fitzgerald um they i mean (laughs) couldn't let larry fitzgerald slide out of the top five for sure uh you know i think the the den redskins are starting rod gardner and lavernius coles at wide receiver so Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald's a you know, you know, clear upgrade for them at the wide receiver position. He's a you know franchise staple for the next ten dec- uh, ten years, you know, plus. And you know, like you said, right? Larry Fitzgerald has all these accolades. He's a pro, three-time All-Pro, eleven-time Pro Bowler. He's a member of the All-Decade Team. He's a member of the hundredth anniversary All-Time Team. He's led the NFL in receiving touchdowns and receptions multiple times. So, you know, just a clear upgrade for them. Uh, you know. Maybe it doesn't help that he's playing with Mark Brunel early in his career, but eventually he'll probably link up with RG three, and you know, and you can only imagine how much, how much uh, chemistry those two would have had, and how, Red, how the Redskins would have been set up for success there. But yeah, I don't. I think the Sean Taylor pick was also pretty solid as well. I, I would feel bad for Larry if he ends up in Washington. He would have suffered a similar <laughs> fate with his quarterback play. Uh, they had Mark Brunel, I mean, he Patrick was Ramsey. With, he's, he was playing with Sean King for a while, so I mean, I know. At I'm some point, they would have upgraded. It's a similar fate. That's all I'm saying is, uh, yep. and then he would have got Jason Campbell at one point. Again, if we're uh, keeping things <laughs> consistent with our uh, fake world, and then RG three, and then uh, you know now, well, he he wouldn't be in the career in the year uh, in the NFL anymore, but he would have played with Kirk Cousins as well. So yeah, not not a great bunch of quarterbacks but um, I think he was actually better in Arizona he got to play with Kurt Warner Carson Palmer yeah. then he had a year oh, with yep. Kyler Murray so yep yeah I guess it's kind of a mixed bag here but at least he went to the Super Bowl in Arizona I don't know if he goes to the Super Bowl in Washington yeah that's so. fair all right well with the sixth overall pick the Cleveland Browns selected tight end Kellen Winslow out of the University of Miami so who did you have the Browns sick picking uh, sixth overall? I went Jared Allen. So obviously, uh, you know, he's a great pass rusher and, you know, Browns needed help on all sides of the ball. And the D-line was particularly weak. I think they were starting guys like Kennard Lang. And I was like, who the hell is Kennard Lang and Ebenezer Ekubon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great names, but I, I don't know who they were. Um, and, you know, Allen, you know, he would have been a leader in this locker room and he's a beast of a player. I think he has 136 sacks in his playing career. He's a four-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler. He led the NFL in sacks two, twice uh, during his career. And I, I didn't know this about Jared Allen, but he's apparently from uh, Los Gatos or uh, thereabouts. So he's, yeah, he's from the yeah, Cal- Bay Area he's guy. California. Yeah, yeah, he's a Bay mm-hmm. Area guy. So, yeah, so I think he would have, you know, instantly uh, improved the Browns D-line. And, you know, he was taken in the fourth round of this draft and a big jump for him here. Yeah, I, I actually had them taking uh, the same, making the same selection. Um, 
I the question about Jared Allen is like I wonder is he the most underrated pass rusher of all time? Like I you think about yeah yeah I think he yeah. might be he might be. I mean, part of it was uh, I mean he 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 came out strong, but he he had nine sacks his rookie year, so it's not like he had uh, you know a, a long incubation period or whatever. It's not like he was buried on the bench or anything, but. He just maybe because he he was kind of goofy, he had like a goofy demeanor about him with the the handlebar stash, and he's had a mullet and did, did all kinds of weird stuff. He had that celebration where, where he was like roping the calf, so <laughs> there and, and his number is sixty nine, which is always kind of a joke number, <laughs> you know. Like yep, yeah. nobody wanted that number in high school because it was all you know it's all a joke. But the guy has an insane resume. I mean, you talked about you kind of mentioned one hundred thirty six sacks as like offhand, but he is, depending on if you go by the official or unofficial listing, he has either the 12th or 16th most sacks all time. And this is a guy that, yeah, I mean, he's not thought of when you talk about some of the great pass rushers, but he was a first team all pro four times, uh, which again is, is incredible. I think he leads this class actually with the most first team all pro selections, which as we talked about, is a class that includes Larry Fitzgerald, Jason Peters, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Elon Manning, like some Hall of Fame dudes. And Jared Allen, of all people, <laughs> has the most <laughs> all-pro selections. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to, to think about. But, yeah, I guess we, we're aligned on this pick. It, it just makes sense. Yep. All right. So – with the seventh overall pick, the Detroit Lions selected wide receiver Roy Williams out of Texas, so not the safety that went to the Cowboys. Um, and I had them going with Jason Peters. So I think you mentioned, but the coolest thing about Jason Peters is that he was a tight end in college. He was a big tight end. If you look at the pictures, he definitely does not look like a tight end. But uh, he was undrafted. He was a, a tight end in college. And he ends up being one of the best left tackles of the past, you know, twenty years or so. Still active, as we mentioned. And the the Lions, of course, were, you know, one of the worst teams in the league consistently. They were starting Joey Harrington, who was also a top pick. That didn't work out, but you know, when you have a chance to add a ten, fifteen year left tackle, you don't miss that chance. So that's why I had them going with with Jason Peters. So uh, he's off your board at this point. So who did you have them taking instead? Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that Jason Peters pick. And, you know, if obviously if, if he was here for me, I would have made that pick here, but uh, I went Sean Taylor here, you know, obviously he was a talented guy, hell of a safety. And, you know, the lions had a need there and, you know, he would have, he, he's a hall, he would have been a hall of famer and, you know, he would have completely changed that lion's defense and, you know, maybe, you know, on a different team, different circumstances, you know, that stuff doesn't happen to him and he doesn't, you know, pass away so i think yeah definitely uh you know he was one heck of a talent and you know couldn't let him slide too far in this draft yeah i'm sure if he uh lived in detroit he probably wouldn't be going to miami quite as often so there you uh, go there you go but you know don't need to go get too much into that absolutely (laughs) yep unfortunate circumstances Uh, uh may he rest in peace so uh, we'll move on to the uh, eighth overall pick. The Atlanta Falcons selected cornerback D'Angelo Hall out of Virginia Tech. Um, so uh, who did you have the Falcons picking here? I went Vince Wilfork. You know, obviously you could have made a case for D'Angelo Hall. They didn't have any corners, but you can't pass up a defensive talent like Wilfork. Uh, you know, he was a four-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler. You know, he was just a steady presence as a defensive tackle, and he would anchor that line for years. Uh, it's just, you know, it was just, I think, you know, he's just so talented, and you couldn't let him drop here. And I think he went, he still went, he was a first-round pick. He went pick 21 here in this draft, but, you know, big jump for him here. But I think, you know, you, you get a guy like him, and he anchors that line for many years to come, and, you know, your your defensive line is kind of set with a guy like that. Uh huh. Yeah, he's not, uh, I mean, he's not an undrafted guy or anything, so a, a nice little jump, but he was still, you know, a big time player in college. So um, I actually had them making that pick as well. I did consider keeping D'Angelo Hall here, but uh, 
you you can't pass up another possible future Hall of Famer. I don't know. It's kind of kind of dicey, but the guy has the resume. Uh, like you said, All Pro multiple times, Super Bowl champ, um, one of the all time like cool personalities in the NFL. Just a really fun guy. I remember that. Uh, I think it was Hard Knocks where he came out like in the uh, in the cowboy boots and the overalls. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I remember you know, that. Yeah, he was just he just seemed like a good good locker room guy. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked him. Great player. Uh, but yeah, so we're aligned here. I think that's what two in a row. No, not two in a row, but a couple that we've aligned. Yeah, uh, two on in here. Two picks we've been aligned on so far. Yeah, not bad, not bad. All right. So with the ninth overall pick, this might be the worst pick of the the litter. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars selected wide receiver Reggie Williams out of Washington. Uh, Reggie Williams did not do much of anything in the NFL, unfortunately. Um, he just kind of busted out. So I had them picking the second best receiver in this class who, coincidentally enough, was not drafted. So I had them taking uh, Wes Welker. So uh, Wes oh, Welker was nice. undrafted. I think he went to San Diego first, um, mostly returned kicks and punts, did the same thing in Miami, and then he was kind of unlocked when he went to uh, New England and then Denver later in his career, but uh, he ended up with 900 catches, close to 10,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, so just really impressive numbers uh, for a guy, once again, that was not drafted, and you look at the second best receiver in this class was Jericho Kotchery, you know, drafted, I should say, with 500 catches, 6,000 yards, so quite a bit more than that guy. Um, so yeah, I had the Fal- uh Sorry, yeah, the uh, Jaguars taking Wes Welker. So who did you have the Jaguars taking? I li- I like that pick of Wes Welker. I didn't think about putting him here, but uh, you know, I felt like he was more of a guy that succeeded because he had Tom Brady and those kind of guys, and then you know, eventually that success you know followed him to Denver. But yeah, I didn't. I, mean, he I didn't have him Peyton here. Manning. I went. Car- he, he did with Manning, Manning in Denver so, too. So yes, that's true. That's fair. You know, that's but. Fair. I mean, numbers yeah, are numbers, no. regardless. So yeah, no, no. I mean, he 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 put up great numbers for a guy who went undrafted. So I did go. I went in a different direction here. I went Carlos Dansby, the linebacker. Jaguars needed a linebacker, and I think in the second round of this draft, they ended up taking a guy named Daryl Smith. But you know, I I feel like Dansby would have been a great fit for them. He had over a thousand solo career tackles and forty three career sacks. He was a one time All Pro. And so just a very good, solid linebacker and, you know, upgrades the Jaguars defense there. And, you know, as, as, as it's clear the Jaguars needed help everywhere and anywhere they could get it. And Dansby would have been a upgrade there for them at linebacker. And I think he went in the second, he went in the second round, uh, pick 33 in this draft. So a little jump for him as well. Yeah. I had him uh, going a little bit later. So yeah, I think we agree that he is worthy of a top, top 16 pick, just a great player. And I'll, I'll, expand more on my thoughts on him when, when he comes up in my selection. But um, all right. So with the 10th overall pick, the Houston Texans selected cornerback Dunta Robinson out of South Carolina. Uh, so who did you have the Texans picking here? I went Steven Jackson. It was pretty clear the Texans needed a running back. I mean, they were starting some guy named Dominic Williams, who I don't even remember what he did for them. But, you know, Steven Jackson was a much better running back than that. I know it's a little high for a running back, but for the Texans, I think they definitely needed to go get one uh, and kind of relieve the pressure off David Carr. You know, Steven Jackson's a two-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. He's rushed for over 11,000 yards and has 69 rushing touchdowns. And so I think having a guy like that in the backfield takes some pressure off Carr and he's not drop, dropping back as much and getting sacked as much and things like that. And the Texans have a, a little bit more of a balanced offense. And, you know, and Steven Jackson's kind of the guy to give it to him. And so in in that uh, regard, it's worth the top 10 pick here in my mind. Yeah, and this is a different era of football, right? We're not talking about 2021, 22, whatever. Like this is, you know, 20 years ago almost. So running backs were definitely higher valued back then for good reason because that's just how the game was played. Um, And, you know, that being said, I also had them picking Steven Jackson you could have probably picked a, a ton of other players on this list uh, because the Texans were just – they were okay this year, but, of course, they they fell off shortly after, and they just uh, were not very good for a long time. Uh, so, with I mean, Steven Jackson, 
was one of the most underrated players, I think, of this era. Um, he had, I want to say, I think, was, I think 10 seasons in a row of 1,000-plus uh, yards. Or was that eight, eight seasons? From 05 to 2012. So eight seasons of, yep. uh, of over 1,000 yards. He had a 1,500-yard season, a 1,400-yard season. Um, just an incredible player for a long time. I mean, then he, you know, once he hit 30, he fell off just like a lot of the great running backs do. So not too surprising there, but, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Dominic Williams. I did not remember who that was either. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was like, and that was their starting running back. And you're like, seriously, like no wonder David Carr was like dropping back 45 times a game. You know what? The funny thing is he had, I think two or 3000 yard seasons in a row. And then wow, he really? blew his knee out. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? No way. Uh, but he only played from 03 to 05. Okay. He was a fourth-round pick. He had 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards, and then 900 yards uh, in 11 games his, wow. his last Impressive. year. But he blew out his knee. I know. He was really good, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, he blew out his knee, and then he was never heard from again. So uh, with Steven Jackson, you get longevity. You get durability. You know, he played in at least – at least 12 games uh, for the first, you know, uh, 11 years of his career. So he was durable, steady, and, uh, you know, I mentioned everything about his his uh, impressive achievements with uh, his rushing yards and all that. So, yeah, I think we agree that that would have been a good pick for the Texans. So, okay. With the 11th overall pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers selected quarterback Ben Roethlisberger out of Miami of Ohio University. So, small little Mac school in the middle of Ohio. So he is off the board for both of us. So um, I ended up with uh, the fourth best quarterback in this draft, which is Matt Schaub. So I think we're aligned on here on this pick, but uh, yes, we are. That's four Matt, out of four picks we're aligned on. Yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt Schaub had an interesting career. He was drafted uh, in the third or fourth round by the, uh, Atlanta Falcons, I guess, you know, to back up Michael Vick, and he did basically that. He just backed him up for a few years, played a couple games here and there. Uh, and then he went to Houston where he ended up being, you know, one of the, I don't want to say great quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he know, led he a, uh, the NFL in passing yards in 2009. So. And that was uh, coincidentally one of his two Pro Bowl seasons. But yeah. Um, you know, he had a solid t- touchdown-interception ratio, 136 touchdowns, 90 interceptions, nothing crazy. But he did have three seasons of over 4,000 yards. And I think the Steelers probably still win the Super Bowl that first year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Ben so. was awful. They just needed somebody to throw for 150 yards a game, turn around, hand the ball off to uh, Jerome Bettis Jerome. and kind of get out of the way. Um, yep. it was Jerome Bettis and I think it Willie Parker was on that team. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was so, Willie Parker at the back. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think, I, mm-hmm. I think with the, you know, Matt Schaub, you surround him with some wep- some of those weapons in Pittsburgh. He gets like Placico Burris, Antonio Brown, Martavius Bryant, Antonio, Antoine Randall L. So, you know, he, he gets weapons and you know, he, he probably has a pretty decent career. Yeah. And, I, I don't, which he I already don't... did, which he already did. Yeah. He had a solid he, career. I don't think he's, stays in in pittsburgh for 20 years like roethlisberger did but yeah he at least um does have a a good career because because as we know he's a a, you know a a good good quarterback good to decent quarterback so yep nothing crazy here but i think he deserves the selection for a team that that really needed a quarterback all right so with the 12th overall pick the new york Jets, jets selected linebacker jonathan vilma out of miami so the, the real Miami, and that's three Miami Hurricanes in the top 16. Uh, so who did you have the Jets picking here? I had them still going linebacker. I went Daryl Smith. I didn't think Wilma was a bad pick here, but I felt like Daryl Smith was just slightly more productive than Jonathan Wilma. So he had about 764 solo tackles, 30 and a half sacks. It's overall just a solid linebacker and would have been a, you know, good contributor to the Jets defense here, but I think Daryl Smith was just slight just slightly better than Jonathan Vilma and that's that's the guy I gave the Jets. Yeah, I, I liked I liked Jonathan Vilma a lot. He was a good good leader, good player for them. He also I think uh played really well with the Saints. Um so good pick, but 
I had them going uh, also with, with a linebacker, but more of a uh, outside edge rushing linebacker in Sean Phillips, who was uh, selected by the San Diego Chargers later in this draft. But I thought that uh, Phillips's pass rushing ability really separated him. He is second in this class with 81.5 sacks in 168 games. So, you know, one, two, three, quick maths. That's almost a, a sack every other game. So, or a oh, half wow. sack every game, depending on, on how you look at that's it. It's impressive. It is, right? And, you know, he's one of those guys that I think got kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, he played next to Sean Merriman for a while. So, of course, Sean Merriman's taken all the, the spotlight. Uh, and then he goes to Denver in 2013, has 10 sacks. I, I think he's playing with uh, Von Miller at that time. So he's never the headline-grabbing guy, but he does have three seasons of double-digit sacks, and he's just like a steady sack artist, right? Seven sacks, eight sacks, eight and a half, seven, you know, nine, whatever it is. So I thought he was he was good, and this was a an era of Jets football where they were competitive. You know, they were making runs with uh, – Chad Pennington and, and those guys. So I think he would have added a, a good pass rushing element to this team. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Nice pick. All right. So uh, next up, the Buffalo Bills with the 13th overall pick selected wide receiver Lee Evans out of Wisconsin. I like Lee Evans, but uh, not, not <laughs> this much. So I had them picking Carlos Dansby. So you had him going, I believe, uh, ninth to the Jaguars, so I had him, you know, a few spots later. He was always the he was always really good. I don't I don't, I don't want to say he was ever great. Um maybe a few times, but he, he was never a pro bowler, but he was a really steady presence um for for Arizona, for Miami. I, play, I believe he played in Cincinnati as well. Just one of those guys where you know, you're confident if he's your starting middle linebacker, you're not super excited. I mean, he's not Ray Lewis or London Fletcher or something like that, but He's really good. He's versatile, which makes him, you know, stand out among the crowd. Uh, he had the, you know, thousand tackles that you mentioned. So he is by far the, the tackle leader by almost 300 tackles in this draft. But he also had 43 career sacks and 20 interceptions. So I don't know how many guys in NFL history have done that, but I don't think it's a very long list. So maybe I should check that sometime. But. Yeah, I really like Carlos Dansby as a player. So who did you have the Bills taking uh, since Dansby's off the board? I went with Chris Nee, who was an offensive lineman. I, I believe he played the guard position. And so obviously the Bills could have gone wide receiver, so I did maybe possibly consider Wes Welker here. But, you know, this guy was clearly the second-best lineman in this draft. He's a three-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. And he would have just given the Bills, you know, just instant stability at the guard positions and – just made life easier for the offense uh, on, on that side of the ball. And so I thought, you know, you know, when you have a chance to grab a pretty good solid guard who can just come in and you know, play either position, you go ahead and draft that guard. And Christie was the guy. I think he was the, the best offensive lineman in this draft, which was not a strong offensive line draft. So uh, I have him coming up later, but uh, okay. So spoiler alert. Um, all right. Next up, we're getting down to the bottom here. Uh, the Chicago Bears with the 14th overall pick selected defensive tackle Tommy Harris out of Oklahoma. Uh, so who did you have the Bears picking here? I still went defensive tackle, but I went Darnell Dockett, who, you know, I think was slightly more productive than Tommy Harris. Again, not a bad pick here, but, you know, Darnell Dockett, he was a one-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. He's had he had like forty and a half sacks over his ten-year career and over two hundred tackles, so which are which is pretty solid numbers for a defensive tackle. And so you know, I think he just you know just slightly better player than Tommy Harris, and you know clearly the Bears needed that guy in the middle, and Darnell Dockett would have been that guy for them. And Darnell Dockett was taken in the third round, pick sixty-four here, so uh, another big jump for him as well. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I like Tommy Harris a lot. Um, I think the main issue with him was his he just he wasn't great for that long. Um, he had a, a short peak in the beginning of his career where he was uh, second team all pro his second year. 
he makes the Pro Bowl three years in a row, and then he kind of falls off a cliff after that. Uh, you see his sack numbers climbing, climbing, climbing. They peak at eight, and then they drop off. Um, and he just was not the same player for some reason. He had a really short peak. At one point, I mean, he was obviously one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, but he just fell off real quick. So um, I actually went with Darnell Dockett as well for <laughs> you know, everything for, you said. That's five now. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with him is that he was also, like Carlos Dansby, I wouldn't say he was ever, you know, great. You know, he was one of the better players, one of the best players in the NFL, but I don't think he was ever, you know, the best or anything. He did have a second-team All-Pro, as you mentioned, and three Pro Bowls, like Tommy Harris. But funnily enough, it it happened at the end of, you know, near the end of his career rather than Mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of his career, uh, like Tommy Harris. So. I think it just it just makes sense because he f- fills that need for that this Bears team that ended up going to the Super Bowl and had a superstar defense, and I think he would have fit that bill in the same way as Tommy Harris. I think he was a slightly different type of player, but he would have been an incredible addition to that defense. Yep. All right. So with the uh, 15th overall pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected wide receiver Michael Clayton out of LSU. So... I told you I like Tommy Harris. I really liked him. Um, so I had the Bucks picking him. <laughs> so um, again, that peak was was short lived, but I think it was good enough to um, basically plug him in instead of Warren Sapp. So they had just lost Warren Sapp to the Raiders, and I think uh, Tommy Harris would have been a easy fit there. Uh, he was another pass rushing type defensive tackle next to Anthony McFarland. Um, so I think it just makes sense. To slot him in there, so who did you have the Bucks picking? I went D'Angelo Hall actually here. So you know they could have gone in a variety of directions. They could have gone defensive tackle. They could have gone wide receiver. Maybe taken a Wes Welker here. But uh, I just thought you know the pairing with Rondé Barber would have solidified their corner spots. You know Hall was a good cornerback, not a great cornerback. So he would have been you know an ideal fit to be the you know second guy opposite you know Rondé Barber. And, you know, I think he, he has, he holds the NFL record for most interceptions in a game with four. And I think he did that in a single half. So he, he had, yes, he, he has, did. he has, yeah, he has a record like that. And he has a total of 43 career interceptions. And so, you know, I just thought, you know, you know, if you can get two guys that are really good, you know, you have one elite corner and one good corner that really helps your defense out. And so I went D'Angelo Hall here. He was really good. And I, I, had a hard time leaving him off the list, but um, I did not have him in my uh, redraft. I mean, spoiler alert. But he was he was one of those guys that was, as you said, he was good, just like Carlos Dansby, just like Darnell Dockett, but he was never one of the best players. He was always decent. Uh, but he did always have a ton of interceptions. Maybe that's because teams always targeted him. I don't know. But he played for a long time. He played for 15 years. He had yeah. a, a very short... Uh, stint in Oakland uh, where he was awful and he ended up getting traded um, to Washington where he spent the majority of his career Um, but his his peak really was uh, early in his career with Atlanta and then he I don't want to say he fell off but he was steady nothing nothing special for the rest of his career except for the interceptions those those were steady so yep yeah I just I didn't like him much (laughs) I I, yeah I I mean I don't know. It's, it was weird. If you went, <laughs> if you got traded to the Raiders, like circa 2008, 2009, apparently you were just not going to, you were just going to have the worst career of your year of your career, right? The worst year of your career. Like Randy Moss, it happened to Randy Moss. Happened yep. to be, I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird time to be a Raider at that time. I don't know why, but all well, these I mean, guys I know, just like, I know exactly decided why. to it's, suck. Yeah. It, it's, it's exact. It, I know I can tell you why. And it's because of Al Davis, unfortunately. I mean, he was, at the end of his life, uh, I think he passed away in 2011. So he was making a lot of, and he knew it. He was getting up there in age. His health was not so great. He was making a lot of really questionable decisions mm-hmm. in terms of personnel, in terms of coaching. And he was just basically trying to take shortcuts to winning a Super Bowl. And he just, uh, you know, there was just something wrong with that team. They just, they couldn't get it together. You, you mentioned some of these great players that played there. During that span, I mean, Warren, Warren Sapp, Randy Moss, D'Angelo yeah. Hall, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of big name guys that just, you know, 
because for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was the facilities, maybe it was the coaching, because Al Davis was basically stuck in the 80s. And, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, it's that just, is true. Yep. You'll, unfortunately. You'll have to but, do a, a Raider what if or Al Davis what if. Maybe an Al Davis what if, because we, we did a Raiders one. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Ep- I believe it's episode two or three, but so check okay. that out. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe you do a what if of uh, the decisions Al Davis made later in his career. Yeah, or just like some kind of Al Davis retrospective because it's definitely worth worth talking about. Yeah, uh, sure. especially you know the different phases of his career from coaching to being a GM to owning, blah blah, et cetera, et cetera, and then of course the tail end where things were just not going so hot. For uh, sure. But anyway, yeah, D'Angelo Hall, not a big fan. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, with the last pick. Uh, of the top half of the first round of the 2004 NFL draft. The Philadelphia Eagles selected guard Sean Andrews out of Arkansas. Uh, Who did you have the Eagles picking here? I ended up giving them Jonathan Wilma, obviously a solid, you know, linebacker. Um, You know, the Eagles, I think, were not too far off from a Super Bowl. I think the next year they go to the Super Bowl here. Uh, and this just solidifies their defense. And Wilma, you know, he was the defensive rookie of the year uh, this year, and he was a three-time pro-, pro bowler. I think he won a Super Bowl with the Saints. And he's, he's a solid guy. He had 600 solo tackles, 12 sacks. And so, you know, I think playing alongside Jeremiah Trotter is just another guy that solidifies that defense and, you know, maybe helps them shore up that Super Bowl run uh, when, when they get there. So I think, yeah. I, I, mean, I also considered Wes Welker here. I thought about it. I was like, oh man, am I really going to drop him out of the top half? And I did. So, but, but yeah, definitely. I think, you know, mm-hmm. Eagles could have, could have gone wide receiver or linebacker. And one of those two would have definitely helped them. Yeah. The the last pick here is always tough because you're trying to squeeze in all the guys that you like. Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, I considered Ben Watson. I considered Bob Sanders. Um, who might be like in terms of pure talent, one of the best players in this draft. Um, but I ended up going like for like. So instead of Sean Andrews, I had them picking Chris Snee. Um, so Sean Andrews had a great peak, you know, his third year, he was first team all pro pro bowler. The second year his in 2007, he had a pro bowl appearance. And then uh, he just fell off because of injury. He played uh, two games in 08, no games in 09 because of a, a back injury. And then, Made a comeback with the Giants, but only started seven games for them. So instead, I went with Chris Snee, who has all of the same accolades, two two All-Pros, four Pro Bowls, but he played 141 games instead of 63 um, and was yep, did go. not basically played you know 16 games for six years, seven years in the middle of his career. So he was steady. He was durable. Um, you know, he, he's still retired at 31, but you're getting – twice the amount of games that they got from Sean Andrews. So maybe on a talent level, they're very similar, but just the, the durability edge goes to Chris Snee. So, yep. I like it. All right. So that is it for our redraft. Um, so our next segment is, we just talk about some of the honorable mentions, some of the guys that um, we thought maybe deserved to make it, but of course there's only 16 picks. So uh, who did you have as some of your honorable mentions? Yeah, obviously, Wes Welker was one. Bob Sanders, you named it. Uh, I didn't take Tommy Harris, so he's an honorable mention for me. Sean Phillips is another guy. Uh, Antonio Smith's another guy. Uh, and then a couple of linemen like Scott Wells, Nick Hardwick, uh, Will Smith, another pass rusher. And then, you know, I, yeah, I, and I, think that's a, I think that's a pretty comprehensive list of honorable mentions for me. That that's totally fair, and this was kind of a, a weird draft. I mean, I I don't want to say it's it's talent deficient, but there wasn't that many like superstar level players. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? I agree with you. Yeah, there was you know the 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 quarterbacks obviously are the headliners because they're the big names. Larry Fitzgerald is the best player in this draft. I think we can say, um, and then Jared Allen was also a great player. But besides that, there's a lot of guys that were. They were good, you know. Jason, some of the names like Jason Babin, uh, Chris Cooley, like guys that you remember, but yeah. uh, nobody that I would say was like a great player that uh, you know, like a can't miss type guy. Not the type of guy that you're like tell your your grandkids about kind of guy. So um, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, like, outside Larry Fitzgerald, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like aside from the guys that we mentioned, that kind of like the way the way I see it is like 
can you tell the story of this NFL era without these guys? And obviously, quarterbacks are kind of the, they're like the main characters in the, in any show or in the NFL. So you definitely can't tell the story of the NFL without uh, Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, and of course Larry Fitzgerald, even Jared Allen. But some of these other guys, you're like, you know, they were good, but that's yeah, it. they were just <laughs> you know, you know, know what I'm saying. They were just solid contributors, and they did their job, and they played their you know position really well. But yeah, they weren't no, they weren't any superstars by any means. And in terms of like Hall of Fame credentials, I mean, Fitzgerald is is first ballot. Jared Allen is probably going to get in because you look at the other guys around him and on the sack list, he's probably going to get in at some point. Um, yep. Ben Roethlisberger probably. Philip Rivers pr- maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I wouldn't put him. He'll up be on. There. He'll be on the. He'll be on the cusp of that conversation. I think. Yeah, I I wouldn't put him in because he doesn't have the rings, but. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a vote, <laughs> but essentially, yeah, I don't. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's three in a class, one surefire, two may, three maybes, so four. Uh, yeah, so yeah nothing, that's fair. Not a crazy good draft, but um, a lot of it, it was a deep draft with with a lot of very good to to solid players. So, yep. um, but now we'll uh, our next segment. We'll talk about some of the guys that did not survive the redraft and and why that that might have been. So. I'll start with Robert Gallery. I mean, I talked about it at the top. He just wasn't good enough to be an offensive tackle in the NFL. I don't know what it is. I mean, he he has all the measurables. He played for Iowa, which is like a gold mine for offensive linemen. You know, for me, it's like I, I look at the Big Ten. I'm like, that's where I want my offensive linemen from. <laughs> you know, go to if you go to Ohio State, you go to uh, Northwestern, you go to well Michigan. Wisconsin. If you go to any of those schools, you're probably a good offensive lineman, but uh, it just didn't work out. And of course, he has to deal with the shame of being picked right before one of the greatest receivers of all time in Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, but he's also a really nice guy. I ended up, I met him one time in Oakland. I was, uh, I used to work next door to a tattoo parlor, and uh, this dude pulls up in a huge, I think it was a Ford F one fifty, like a dually with the six <laughs> with the four wheels in the back. Damn this big ass dude you know big long hair and i'm like is that this was in oakland i was like is that who i think it is and i went up to him you know i just said what's up i didn't like bother him for a picture or anything but uh this was in 2009 2009 or 10 so a few years after this so he hadn't been doing very well (laughs) but he was still on the raiders (laughs) so i had to say what's up at least Um, i actually met tom cable at the same place but nice uh, yeah nice guy i I always remember thinking robert gallery looked a bit like the undertaker so yeah, man. About Robert Gallery. That's what I remember. He about looked him. just like him, and with the yeah. long hair and the beard, and he was very intimidating. Yep. Um, but yeah. just not good enough, and that that's yeah. that is what it is. Um, so the next guy is uh, Kellen Winslow. So I believe he's currently in jail. Yeah, for, he's been in jail for a while. Yeah, some kind of uh, assault, some of some sexual nature or something. But yeah, he just he clearly. Uh, he's got a few screws loose, but he was good for a little while. He I, made a Pro Bowl. Yeah, I think he had like three, four years where he was really solid, and then for I think he had like some sort of weird knee injury, and then he got a st- uh, staph infection. Some, some, something crazy happened with him, and then he just kind of washed up after that. So I mean, there was that year where the Browns they had guys getting staph infections. I think it was him and like Georgia yeah. Vicious. Um, yeah, yeah, but I he had a. That. A thousand yard seasons, a couple eight hundred yard seasons with the Browns, with Tampa, and then, um, but he always had kind of a screw loose. You remember that big rant he had in the locker room, yeah, yeah. about going to war and all yeah. that. It's like uh, something, it's something that. was definitely wrong with him. He had a few screws loose for sure. Yeah, so maybe just a maybe it's a CTE thing where he he really went off the deep end. Um, yeah, as a player, but um, and then right after him was uh, wide receiver Roy Williams. So. Yeah, what what went wrong with him? Why didn't he make your redraft? Yeah, I mean, he was an okay player, but I think just, yeah, when you're drafted in the top 10, there's certain expectations. I mean, if he was drafted in the third or fourth round, people are like, okay, yeah, he had a decent career, but he just didn't put up the numbers you expected of a, of a guy from his caliber and his talent level. And so really it was just, I mean, how much of that it was playing with Joey Harrington, we don't know. 
but he you always had high hopes for him every year and then he always let you down and i don't think he had i don't even know if he had a thousand yard rec- uh, receiving in any of his seasons but maybe he one had one so he one, had one okay. pro yeah. bowl season in in 06 he had 1300 yards um uh, seven touchdowns so you know he was good at that point but yeah. um he never repeated that and then he got traded to the cowboys and he had to deal with all the uh, expectations that came with playing in dallas um and he's just not very good um so again not yeah. not really his fault he was catching passes from john kitna and uh joey harrington joey harrington in yeah. his career so you know you can't uh you just can't blame the yeah, guy too much short. <laughs> yeah uh the next guy is dunta robinson um i think he was just again just not not very good um he ended up playing for quite a few years uh he played for houston atlanta kansas city he had a great rookie season which was which was crazy he had six interceptions um he finished second in the rookie of the year voting to jonathan vilma and then he just fell off after that it was the strangest thing so and was he even memorable to you do you remember anything about this guy i just remember his name <laughs> i always thought it was like dante <laughs> robinson and then it was everyone's like and then it was like no it's dunta robinson i was like yeah that's a strange name but okay uh and then yeah i remember him being like somewhat okay in his rookie year and then just really falling off a cliff so that's uh i, I don't know some i guess some guy it happens to some guys where they did well their rookie year and they just for a reason never figured it out after that he was definitely one of those guys um, the next guy is uh, Lee Evans. He went. Oh, uh, you missed. And, uh, uh, you missed Reggie Williams. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Reggie Williams. Uh, he was picked ninth overall and just didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, what what did you think went wrong with Reggie Williams? Uh, I think just having to play for the Jaguars. That's what went what what went wrong for him. He, uh, I I guess he like looked he looked the part. He looked like he could be a you know big time NFL wide receiver. He just never put it together and playing in Jacksonville probably didn't help him. But I, I mean, he, I just, I just don't remember anything about his career. Like there was never, it, there was, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like, Oh, Reggie Williams got hurt or something. He, you know, he has some sort of, you know, law law issue or he's on some drugs or anything like that. He just, just never put it together. And he's just one of those guys that looked the part, but just couldn't uh, live up to the part. Yeah, he absolutely looked the part. He was like 6'4", 230. He looked like, you know, that that was the kind of receiver that you wanted uh, in yeah. this era of the NFL. He's like the Terrell Owens type. Uh, exactly. I think, like you said, he, he did have to play for the Jaguars, which is unfortunate. And he played for, I mean, there's decent quarterbacks, David Garrard, Byron Leftwich. And they were, they were competitive during those years. That was like the Jack Del Rio, where they were always like 9-7, and 10-6. They had to they're playing in the same division as Peyton Manning. So they, I don't think they ever won a division title, but um, they were always decent. And I think, but they were always like super run heavy, right? It was Fred Taylor, you know, uh, Maurice Jones drew. It was not a super creative or explosive offense. And of course, Jack Del Rio is a defensive guy. So that was how he built out his team. So maybe if he ends up on a different team, uh, he, he does well. Maybe that's, that's something we'll cover in our next wide receiver bus podcast, but (laughs) Uh, yeah, he just, again, just did not do much. Um, so the next guy is is Lee Evans, uh, who went 13th overall to the Bills out of Wisconsin. I think his his biggest problem was just he just didn't play with any good quarterbacks. <laughs> so Yeah, who was uh, his quarterback? J.P. Lossman most of his career? He, I believe it was J.P. Lossman. Um, and he had one good season, you know, in, in Buffalo. He had a 1,200-yard uh, season. Uh, almost 1300 yard season in 06 and then he had another 1000 yard season in 08 uh um, bad so but aside from that you know he was he was good he was hovering around 800 700 so nothing crazy and he, but he was a he was like a speed guy right he was known for being a speedy guy is that right yeah i believe so if i if i remember yeah. correctly yeah he has his yards per reception were uh always like in the 15s he had a couple 16 16 yards per reception season so he was a deep threat type guy so he's never going to put up crazy reception numbers but um he's definitely like an honorable mention type dude he was definitely not uh not a huge bust or anything just i think just he had bad luck playing with bad quarterbacks yeah for sure all right um and then uh, michael clayton went 15th overall to tampa bay what happened with him 
just another not just another wide receiver who couldn't figure out the NFL. That's really just what happened to him. I mean, by all accounts, he he looked the part. He was you know had good hands, all those things. And when he got to the NFL, he just couldn't put it together. I think he had maybe one good season, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, rookie year. His rookie year, Which right? Yeah, and then after that, he fell off. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Like, some of these guys are really good their rookie years, and then they just fell off. And Michael Clayton happened to be one of those guys. He had 80 catches for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns his rookie wow. year. Wow. I'm surprised and he didn't then, do better after that. It, yeah, it's really crazy. And then the next, he had more yards his rookie year than he did the next, basically the next four years combined. <laughs> That's um, crazy. But he's, I mean, he was in Tampa for, for six years, and then he went to the Giants where he did nothing. But, yeah, it's just another one of those strange cases where you're not quite sure what happened with these guys and, and where mm-hmm. it went wrong. But as we know, wide receivers, such a situation-dependent position, uh, Tampa at the time had like a rotating cast of quarterbacks. This was like the John Gruden era when things went bad, you know. Uh, <laughs> So he was starting at one point. I think it was Brian Greasy and then Chris yeah, Sims. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, Chris Sims. Uh, yeah, and then I think he had uh, Jeff Garcia at one point and then uh, Josh yes, Freeman. So just like a oh – he had like old Jeff Garcia. Yeah, like old, 37, old Jeff Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> like 37-year-old Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Um, yeah. So maybe it's not his fault, but, you know, you expect more from the 15th overall pick. So we'll say that. Uh, And then the last pick, uh, Sean Andrews. So I think we covered it. He just, he was good. He was really good for a very short time. He only, he played 60 games in his career. um, And he's, I think he started less than 40 games in his career. So just injury kind of robbed him of his peak. But uh, so yeah, that, that, that's about it for him. So yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts on this draft before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, interesting draft. A uh, lot of good players, but not too many great to, uh, you know, supremely talented players outside of the the guys we already talked about. But yeah, it's an interesting draft for sure. Yeah, and this is a, this is memorable draft for or this is a super memorable draft for me because this is kind of when I really started to pay attention to the NFL. Uh, around this time, I want to say like, you know, early 2000s. So I, I do remember all of these players. These are kind of the players of our, not not our childhood, but of our teen years. You know, these are the teams that we remember. These Just reading down the list, like, oh, yeah, I remember him. And, oh, I remember <laughs> this guy, you know. Uh, just like some names that come out, like Ben Watson, uh, Jabril Wilson, uh, yeah. Devery yeah, yeah. Henderson. Some of these are... Some of these are fantasy guys too. You're like, oh yeah, exactly. I drafted him in the fantasy draft. Like Ben, and that was the thing. Yeah, that's the thing with a lot of these uh, in the wide receivers, especially. It's a lot of guys that were like, yeah, I remember him. He was, you know, the second or third wide receiver on the scene. Like Bernard Berrien, I remember him. He's super skinny, (laughs) super fast, played for Chicago. Devery Henderson balled out a couple years. Uh, Michael Jenkins had a couple good years in Atlanta. Yeah, Uh, Michael Turner. Yeah, Michael Turner. I think he should have been an honorable mention if we didn't mention him already. The you know what's crazy about him is he actually has an All Pro appearance. He has a first oh, wow. team wow. All Pro selection. I I believe it. I believe it. He had a pretty like solid four or five years. And he had he actually has as many first team All Pro selections as Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> so, ah, there you go. But I mean, he was he was a backup right for a while. He he backed up Ladainian Tomlinson. He's not gonna get a bunch of yep. touches, but. Dude, his in 08, he has 17 On the Falcons, yards. right? Yeah, Falcons. that was his yeah. his first team all pro season. Um he had 1700 yards and then uh a couple years later he had 1300 and then another 1300. So Insane. Yeah, just a uh, a guy that maybe if he gets drafted somewhere else when he's not uh, he's not backing up Ladanian Tomlinson for 4 years, he is uh you know, he has more of an impact and becomes a star earlier, but yeah, just a lot of a lot of cool names that just took me down memory lane as I was reading down the list. I'm like, yeah, again, oh, I remember him. I remember him too. You know, uh, remember Isaac Sopawaga? Yeah, of I course. You remember him? Of course, I, of uh, course, I remember him, man. Niner. Yeah, he was like the fifth or sixth round or something in this draft. Yep, yep. He was a fourth round pick, and he was like a, you know, the precursor to like Vita Vea. And interestingly enough, he is. 
related to Pene Sewell, who is the oh, starting wow. left tackle for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. There you yeah, go. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Full I love circle. doing these, man. I love doing these, especially when they're especially when they're older, because I get to refresh my memory and all these guys. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So thank you, Soman. Appreciate your time today, man. Thank you all for listening. Um uh, we appreciate you guys checking us out. Uh, please make sure to uh, follow, like, and subscribe to the 4040 Vision podcast on all the major podcasting platforms. I'm talking all of them. Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, Radio Public, uh, Spotify, of course, Apple Podcasts. So just about wherever you can find your podcast, we made sure to make to put our podcast there. Google Podcasts, off the top of my head. Um Make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 4040visionpodcast, uh, on Instagram and Twitter at 4040visionpod. We hope to launch a YouTube channel uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months, so keep an eye out for that. So, yeah, thanks again, and appreciate your time so much. All right. Later, man.